So Mark 5, 21 to 43. Jesus raises a dead girl and heals a sick woman. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she that will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. When the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talita kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give us something to eat. Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Jared. Uh, nice to meet you, if I haven't met you already, and nice to see you again, if I have. Uh, please join me as we pray. Father in heaven, would you please give us uh, ears to hear and eyes to see uh, your truth this morning, what you're saying to us in your word. We pray that we would uh, know uh, the, the truth and that we'd be changed by that. We thank you for your awesome display of power, Lord Jesus. Help us to see you for who you are 
and to respond in the right way. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so if, as you were driving here this morning, um, or maybe walking here, I don't know, uh, were you thinking about disease and death? <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you were, not many of us were. I think we probably just, I know for us, we were just trying to get in the car and get here. Uh, I've got two little ones. And um, I realized just earlier that I have something on my shirt, which I actually don't know what it is. <laughs> but I think it's from Florence. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but that's okay. So um, disease and death, they're not things that our world likes to think about very much. Um, and they can, be, they can be really scary, can't they? How do you feel about disease and death? Do you think they're just a part of life or something horrible to be terrified about? Are you afraid of getting sick? Are you afraid of dying? Are you afraid of your loved ones getting sick or dying? Disease and death really are horrible things and they're not, they're not natural. God made this world and he made it good. There wasn't disease and death at the beginning. They only came in uh, as a result of human sin. That's our rejection of God. So God, the giver of life, made everything. We rejected the giver of life, which brought death into the world. He justly punishes our sin. And so uh, this, this rejection brought with it disease and all of those other things as well. And we've been looking at Mark's gospel uh, over the past five months and uh, as we've been doing that, we've been seeing him say that Jesus is the king. He's been telling uh, us that this message that Jesus himself preached, that Jesus is the king of the whole world, the king who saves, the only hope for this world. And in this, in this recent sort of section of Mark's gospel, uh, he's been showing how Jesus is, is supreme over various different aspects of our world. So last week we saw when Rob preached to us about how Jesus is supreme over the spiritual realm, when Jesus cast out that legion of demons into the pigs and they ran into the water. We've seen before that how Jesus is absolutely powerful over the creation with the storm, how he just spoke to a storm and calmed it down with his words. And today we're going to see how Jesus is absolutely powerful over disease and death. As he heals uh, the woman and Jairus's daughter, he raises. And we're going to work our way through these wonderful stories today. These are true stories. And we're going to see more of who Jesus is. Remember this section of Mark, this first eight chapters, has really been focusing on who is this Jesus? Who is he? And so as we look at this, we're going to see more about who he is. And we'll see his compassion, his power, and his uh, reverse of the curse. Uh, Mark has intentionally written these accounts in a sort of sandwich style uh, to draw our attention first to Jairus pleading for help for his daughter who's dying, almost dead. Then the healing of the woman account comes in the middle. Um, and then finally we come back to Jairus' daughter who devastatingly died in the meantime. And this structure helps us to see these accounts to be taken as a unit. They go together. And uh, it shows us how Jesus is the almighty king over disease and over death. And he's both the king who cares and the king who can, the king who can do something about the situation. So today's passage begins with Jesus crossing back over the Sea of Galilee to the, their usual side, their home turf. Remember last week, uh, they, they were over on the other side in the Gentile region, you know that because there's pigs around. 
and um, where Jesus uh, cast out the legion of demons. And the people back on their home side haven't forgotten about Jesus. Do you remember how they kept flocking to see him from all over the place? Well, that hasn't stopped. Uh, Jesus is, is on, the, on, the, on the boat. He gets out onto the shore and immediately all of the people are flocking to see him again. And it's not hard to think why. I mean, you've seen the, we've seen the things that Jesus has been doing. Uh, he's been uh, casting out demons. He's been healing people. He's been forgiving sins. Everyone wants to see Jesus. They want, uh, them, they want to be healed. They want their family members to be healed. All of those uh, sorts of things. And people flock to him. And, and then we see Jairus, who is one of those people. Jairus is described as a ruler of the synagogue. Uh, the synagogue is the Jewish gathering. And uh, so he's quite a well-to-do sort of guy. And here's how he comes to Jesus. He comes begging and pleading. He fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. Now, I don't know what it's like to have a child at the point of death, but I do know what it's like to have children. And Jairus does exactly what you would expect any, any parent who loves their child to do. He comes to Jesus begging and pleading. He doesn't care about his situation or being fancy or I'm a ruler of the synagogue and la da 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 No, he comes to Jesus acknowledging that he's completely dependent upon him and he falls at Jesus' feet. He's in desperate need of Jesus' help. And with sincerity, he asks Jesus to do what no one else can, to heal his daughter, his little daughter. And Jesus goes with him. We see his compassion here. He goes with Jairus. And at this point, we must be thinking, and I'm sure Jairus was thinking too, this is fantastic. Jesus has gone with Jairus and he's going to heal Jairus' daughter who's about to die. He'll get there in time. But then we read in verse 24, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. The crowds are still flocking around Jesus. They're following him, surrounding him, we don't use the word throng very often, but it really does convey <laughs> the crowds gathering and, and you know, hustle and bustle and, and so on. And, and we must be thinking now at this point, oh no, what about Jairus' daughter? Will Jesus get there in time to heal her? And then Mark introduces us to the woman who'd had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Now that alone on its own sounds awful, doesn't it? What a difficult disease that would be to live with. And you think, especially in a time when that would have made her unclean and isolated. But Mark tells us more about this poor lady's situation, showing the difficulties she faced in greater detail. She'd suffered under many physicians. He starts these with and, and who had suffered under many, much under many physicians. The doctors couldn't help her, and rather she suffered through their attempts. And then here's another one, and had spent all she had. So not only was she suffering with this severe illness, but she'd spent all of her money trying to get better. These weren't the days of 
private health insurance. She couldn't call up Bupa or Medibank or any of those. This was, this was a lady who was destined for a life of destitution and poverty. And to top it all off, he says, has another one, and was no better, but rather grew worse. After all of her doctor's visits and money spent and years of suffering, her health was not improving, but declining. And so again, we're faced with someone in desperate need. And like Jairus, she knows that Jesus is her only hope. She's heard about Jesus and how he does the miraculous. And she believed that if she could only touch his garments, she would be made well. And so she came up behind him in the crowd and she did it. She touched his garments. She doesn't go face to face with Jesus first. She does it surreptitiously, which is a fancy way of saying secretly. (laughs) Perhaps she was worried about her uncleanness before Jesus. Perhaps she didn't want anyone else to see her. Maybe she felt ashamed. Or maybe just she just, just saw the number of people and thought, now's my chance. Or whatever it was that she was feeling, she, she touched Jesus' garments and she was immediately made well. The discharge of blood that had plagued her for 12 years immediately stopped and she knew that she was healed of her disease. Wow, just by touching Jesus' garments. And Jesus knows that the power had gone out from him to heal. So he turns around and straight away asks, who touched me? This was much to his disciples' confusion. The disciples are at a loss. I uh, don't know if anyone's ever been to Oxford Street in London or Times Square in New York City. Uh, and and, and if imagine, imagine from the disciples' perspective, there's all of these people. Those streets are known for being insanely busy. Tons and tons of people. You can just imagine Jesus standing there and there are crowds surrounding him. And he turns around and says, who touched me? <laughs> the disciples just cannot understand. They're just, it's almost like, they can't, can't you see that there's all of these people here? But, but in reality, it's not Jesus who, who's struggling with seeing, it's the disciples. They, they can't see. But Jesus doesn't just mean anyone who's touched him. Um, we've no doubt there would have been tons of people bumping into him. But he means that the one who touched him specifically Uh, He means the one who touched him when the power went out from him to heal that person. And Jesus looks around to see who'd done it. And the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. I love how he puts that in there, the whole truth. She doesn't try to cover it up. She's trembling and fearful and tells Jesus everything. And Jesus' response to this woman, he's kind, he's gentle, he's compassionate. This woman who'd suffered many things for many years, including pain, isolation, and rejection, what does Jesus say to her? Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Jesus greets her using a family term, daughter. Notice that we've just been hearing about Jairus' daughter and how he as a loving father would do anything for his daughter. Jesus now calls this woman daughter. Jesus loves this woman like a a father loves his daughter. Jesus is the loving king who cares about this woman in need and the loving king who can help her. 
And by healing this woman, Jesus is reversing the effects of the curse. He says to her, your faith has made you well. She believed in Jesus. She put her trust in him that he could help her. And he did. Jesus tells her to go in peace, to be healed of her disease. And the command to go in peace points to the greater reality of what Jesus did for this woman. Not only was she healed physically, but spiritually restored to peace with God through faith in Jesus. And that peace is transformative, not only for this life, but for eternity. And Mark, being the uh, sort of action movie writer of the New Testament, moves the story along with great pace. Uh, And we're reminded of the urgency of Jairus' daughter's situation. When Mark says, while he was still speaking... Jesus hasn't even finished talking yet. And who's there? Some from the ruler of the synagogue's house. People from Jairus' house. They're there to see Jairus and to bring devastating news. They said, your daughter is dead. Dead. Jairus' precious little daughter. The one who was close to death at the beginning of this passage now after some time has passed, dead. And it's hard to imagine worse news, isn't it? As a parent myself, that's not something you ever want to hear. Your child, dead. It's absolutely heartbreaking. This poor little girl, no pulse, no signs of life, nothing. And it seems so final that they ask Jairus, why trouble the teacher any further? There's no point, is there? I mean, while she was still alive, there was hope, right? But now she's dead. That's final. They call Jesus teacher, but they still don't know fully who Jesus is. If they did, they wouldn't have said that. And then we can see what Jesus says to Jairus. These awesome words, do not fear, only believe. Jesus tells Jairus to not be afraid, in the face of his daughter's death, but to believe. We've seen Jesus' power up to this point, but we haven't yet seen a resurrection. Jesus has healed all kinds of sicknesses, but in the face of death, what can he do in the face of death? Well, Jesus brings only Peter, James, and John with him as they go to Jairus' house, and the people are weeping and wailing in mourning. Jairus' daughter is dead. And Jesus asks them, why? Why are they making a commotion? And they, again, must have been feeling at a loss, just like the disciples earlier. Why weeping and wailing? Well, how else are you going to respond to such a tragedy? It's because she's dead. Jairus' daughter is dead. That's it. How else should we respond? And Jesus' response to them shows that he knows why they're crying. He says, she's not dead, but sleeping. And they laugh at him in disbelief. Not dead? Sleeping? And Jesus puts them outside and takes uh, with him the child's father and mother, so Jairus and his wife, and the three disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John with him, and then speaks to this child. Jesus speaks to her in Aramaic, and Mark records his words for us in the original language, uh, Talitha Kumi, which means, little girl, 
I say to you, arise. And before they even have a chance to think about what Jesus has said, immediately, uh, Mark tells us, the girl got up and began walking. For she was 12 years old, which is the same length of time for the woman who had suffered with the bleeding. And immediately the people are overcome with amazement. What? What? This girl who was dead? Now alive? Jesus rose her from the dead. Power over death. Now that's truly awesome. And once again, we see Jesus' compassion, his power and his kindness. I mean, think about it. What a day Jairus has had. His daughter has gone from nearly dead to dead to alive again. To alive again. And all because Jesus, the king, had compassion on her and rose her from the dead. And Jesus then continues his request for this to not be told of. This news is not to get out. Now is not the time. There are people who want Jesus dead. And the more they see Jesus the King do the miraculous, the more they want him out of their way. And then Mark tells us that Jesus said that they should give the girl something to eat. Uh, She wasn't a ghost or some kind of spirit or just some kind of memory that they were in remembering. No, Jesus says to give her something to eat. She was really alive again. Ghosts don't eat. Humans do. And, and we need to, to know that Jesus is powerful over death. Uh, Jesus doesn't just give them some warm, fuzzy feelings. No, he brought her back. And it's an awesome display of his power his kindness, and his kingship. And by raising Jairus' daughter from the dead, Jesus is once again reversing the effects of the curse. And it's at this point that we rightly note that Jesus not only deals with the effects of the curse, like the wild natural things like the storm he calmed, the evil spiritual things like the demons he cast out, and the devastating realities of disease and death, No, Jesus deals with more than that. He deals with the root cause of all of those problems. Humanity's rebellion against God. How? He does it by giving his life on the cross as a ransom for many. He died bearing the sins of his people in their place, satisfying God's justice in our place. He paid the price, his life in place of ours, taking God's righteous anger at sin upon himself on the cross. And it's because Jesus has dealt with the root cause, the underlying cause of all of these problems, uh, that he's dealt with the the root cause of our rebellion. Um, The eternity that awaits his people is not plagued by any of these problems. Wild natural phenomena that endanger people, not there in the new creation, interesting that Joe read that um, new creation passage in Revelation and says that there's no longer any sea. If you think about the sea, um, there was the storm and also many things in the the Bible where the sea has been a a terrifying thing for, for God's people. But the people will not be plagued by wild natural phenomena in the new creation, nor by the devastating realities of disease and death. They aren't there in the new creation either. Nor will evil spirits or demon oppression be there. 
The future that awaits Jesus' people is glorious, perfect relationships with God and with one another, enjoying God's steadfast love forever. No sickness, no sadness, no suffering, no disease, no demons, no death. On the cross, Jesus dealt death itself, the death blow. He broke the power of sin, death, and the devil once and for all. And Jesus rose from the dead, never to die again. His resurrection is even more amazing than the resurrection of Jairus' daughter. Jairus' daughter would have grown up and then she would have died again. But Jesus, he rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and he will never die again. He has completely defeated death so that everyone who belongs to Jesus too is guaranteed life forever. Uh, as, as we read this, maybe, maybe you're struggling with the disease or you know uh, that you, you, maybe you don't have long left to live. Or maybe you have a loved one in that situation. And if that's you, then I, I want to say that I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely sorry to hear that that's your situation or your loved one's situation. And I want to remind you that Jesus is the compassionate king. Uh, there are lots of people who misapply passages like the one that we've read today. And spread the message that if only you have enough faith, then you too will be guaranteed healing like this woman and like Jairus' daughter. Uh, that's not true, and it's a manipulative system that's often used to extort people out of their money. Watch out for false teachers like that. Don't listen to them. Jesus makes no such promise in this passage. What he did for this woman and for Jairus' daughter and, and Jairus' family tells us what happened to them then and uh, not always what happens. It's ultimately up to God whom he heals. And while, yes, it's good and right for us to pray for healing, there's no guarantee in this life that God will provide us with healing or will raise our loved ones from the dead in the here and now. In the life to come, however, for all those who belong to Jesus, there is a guarantee of both physical healing and of resurrection. And this guarantee is secure because Jesus has defeated the root cause of all of these problems on the cross, sin, humanity's rebellion against God. You see, the more amazing miracle that Jesus does is the miracle of forgiving sinners, of taking us from our spiritual death to spiritual life in him. That doesn't only last for, you know, a hundred years in the here and now. That lasts forever. If you imagine being in forever one day with the Lord Jesus and you think a million years has passed, you think, well, there's another, another million years and another million years. and It goes on forever and ever and ever. Forever, is, is, it's difficult for our minds to grasp how big forever is. But Jesus, in dealing with our sin, provides for the restoration of humanity's relationship with God for all who believe in him. So we too hear Jesus' words, do not fear, only believe. Uh, maybe, maybe you've been walking with Jesus, but there are some serious issues with your health or in your family's health uh, in the moment that, that seem insurmountable. 
or remember to look forward to the future that awaits all of Jesus' people. Do not fear, only believe. We as Christians have nothing to fear, disease and death or any other evil. And why is that? Because we're secure in Jesus. Our forever is guaranteed in Jesus. Don't be afraid of disease and death. We may face those things in the here and now, and we will face those things in the here and now, but we believe in the one with the power to overcome them. The one who promises to do so, not in this life, but in the life to come. And let's keep praying for our family and our friends who don't know the Lord Jesus and telling them of his salvation, that they too may find peace with God and look forward to an eternity with none of the evils that we face in this world. Maybe you haven't been walking with Jesus and maybe you, you, you haven't heard this before, but we all need to know that judgment is coming. In that passage that Joe read earlier, it tells very clearly of how one day God will judge the world and he's going to judge in righteousness and fairness. And if you're anything like me, based on our track record, that sounds terrifying. Being judged in righteousness and fairness. So come and accept the free gift of life forever in Jesus while there is still time. Don't be judged on your track record. Be judged on Jesus's. Receive the gift of eternal life in Jesus now. When we die is too late. When we stand before the judgment seat of God is too late. When Jesus returns is too late. Come to Jesus today. Come to the one who alone provides salvation. The one who alone provides ultimate healing in the life to come. The one who alone provides an eternity of no sickness, no suffering, no sadness, no disease, no demons, no death. An eternity of perfect relationship with the God who made and saved us and with one another as we rejoice around Jesus' throne. You see, the, the miracle that Jesus did of healing uh, this, this woman physically and of, of, of raising uh, Jairus' daughter from the death, from dead, from the dead, is, is truly, truly astonishing. When you think about the power that Jesus has, he's awesome, isn't he? He has all power. We've seen his absolute power over the creation, over the spiritual realm, over disease, over death. He truly is the king of the whole world. We see his compassion. He, he doesn't leave people uh, and just uh, in those situations and not, not come and help. No, when Jairus comes to him begging and pleading, Jesus goes with him and helps him and, and raises his daughter. He helps that lady who would have uh, suffered so many years. But the most amazing thing that Jesus has done is bringing about salvation for sinners. When you think about healing, the most amazing act of healing is that of spiritual healing, that restoration of that broken relationship with God. And Jesus alone can do that. Every other belief system in our world tells us that we need to work our way in order to be right with God. Not so with Jesus. He's the great and kind, compassionate king, the king who saves, who came to rescue his people. If you haven't put your trust in Jesus yet, I encourage you, I implore you to do that today. 
We don't know when he's coming back. We don't know when we're going to die, but we know that we all will die and we all will stand before him one day. And the only way to go into that day and, and, and have a positive outcome is to be standing not on our own, but to be standing in the Lord Jesus. So will you please pray with me? Lord Jesus, you are good and glorious. You are kind and compassionate. You are the king over everything. We praise you and we ask for your mercy upon us. You alone have the power to save. You alone have the power to rescue. And we ask, Lord, that you would forgive us for all of our sins against you, for how we so often want to live life our way. Have mercy on us, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would spiritually heal us, give us that ultimate healing, that forgiveness of sin, that restoration of relationship with you, that on the final day we may stand right with you, Lord God. And it's only because of Jesus that we can do that. And we pray it in his name. Amen. If, if you joined with me in that um, prayer and you, you have put your trust in Jesus, then I'd ask you to come and talk to me afterwards. Maybe you just think I'm crazy. Come and talk to me as well. I'd love to chat to you more because I'm uh, convinced that the Lord Jesus is the king of the whole world, that he loves you. And uh, I'd love to talk to you more about him. So please do that.